0: Three looked like, I'll show us some numbers, some interesting statistics and things of that nature. Don's going to talk about uh, the booklets that he just gave you, what the church is getting ready to dive into, and then Trevor's going to look at 2024 as a whole. Excited? Yeah. <gasps> well, good, because that's what we're doing. <laughs> it should be. Make yourself at home, kick your feet up, <laughs> do what you need, Bill. <laughs> hey, so we're going to go through, uh, let me open us in prayer. Seems like a good thing. us to do tonight father we are incredibly grateful at your generosity that um that you've given to us in 2023 god you have blessed great commission church and father we know that uh, you love us we know that you hear us god we're thankful that uh, you've given us so many gifts um, and spread them out through the congregation and, Father, we're thankful we're learning how to use them to minister to each other, to, to love each other well, to make much of your son Jesus. And, God, I pray as we look into 2024 that we'd be excited, that we get a partner with you, that we get a partner with each other, that we get to see more people discover the greatness of your son Jesus. And, Father, we are. you are so kind to us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, what we're gonna do? Go ahead and go to the first slide. Here's what I'm gonna just go through some numbers. We have dashboards. I go through this with the staff all the time, um, and so I'm gonna break some stuff down. Here's our volunteer numbers. If you look at the big number, the 3,390, um, since we've been tracking this since May 7th, it is we've had 3,390 volunteer spots filled uh, since May the 7th. That's that's how many people it's taken to. Uh, make all of this happen. That's just Sundays. If you break that down a little more, the production team, there were 234 volunteer opportunities in the production team. That's all them up there. Say hi, Leah. Everyone look at Leah. There she is, serving the Lord in the dark room. Um, but man, there's usually five or six folks up there. They're running everything. Uh, every light, every sound, the screens, uh, everything, if, you're, if you've ever watched from home, They're doing all that. Even the security teams up there, there's uh, 16 or 20 some odd cameras up there. There's a security person watching every single thing that's happening to keep you guys safe. So really thankful for all that. A new one we added uh, is the prayer ministry team. We had 337 prayer ministry opportunities, um, volunteers on Sundays. And and that's, um, I don't remember when we started that, Billy. Do you know the date? October, sometime in October we started that, so that number just jumped right up there. Uh, TKO, we've had 401 adult volunteers in TKO on Sunday nights. The band, uh, 465 uh, volunteer opportunities for the band. They are some of the few volunteers that serve uh, two services. They serve both services, so they're here. They're typically here before I get here, and I get here early, and then they're here uh, way after. So they are, they are serving the Lord with their... With their um, you know they're passionate about what they do, and uh, they love what they do. Sort of thankful for that. First impressions. This is ushers, greeters. Um, there is well, there's 942 opportunities for ushers and greeters. Just the friendliness of the church. The first impressions is what we call it. Sheila's developing something new called um, I think she's calling it connections hosts, where they're going to be overseeing different rows in this room. The idea is that they're going to get to know those folks who sit in those spaces. And next generation, of course, our big volunteer. Uh, This is one of the biggest tasks, next generation, 0 to 6th grade, 1,412 opportunities since May 7th um, for our kids to take care of our babies, and our our kids were thankful for that. But the the highest volunteer Sunday we had, we, we typically average about 83 volunteers every Sunday. It takes 83 volunteers minimum. To pull off what we do on Sunday, uh, December the 10th, we had 116. That was our big volunteer. That was actually the weekend of the Freedom Conference. You're going to see that number a lot. December 10th. Um, on average, I thought this was an on average Sunday nights TKO. It takes 20 volunteers, um, or 20 volunteers. That was a bare minimum of where we were at with TKO, making sure that that ran smoothly as well. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Which one is this? Uh, this is next steps. This is something new we've started tracking also since May the 7th. We've been fine-tuning this. We had 304, our church took 314 next steps. They marked it on the card. When we have you fill out the welcome card, that's what this represents. 106 of you said, I'm going to bring a friend. 28 baptism requests, 70 connect group sign-ups. This is, our, um, this is kind of our front door to our church. If you want to get involved with knowing people, we've we, push people towards the connect group Um, 29 folks said they wanted to become a member eight wanted to trust Jesus for the first time and 35 rediscovered my faith Uh, mark rediscovered my faith on average the church took nine next steps every Sunday and the highest Sunday with of next steps with 24 next steps was December 10th which was the weekend of the freedom conference I thought that was interesting go ahead and go to the next slide this is our yeah new members. Uh, you can see there were, uh, we had 46 new members. Um, of those broken down, 26 adopted, 20 baptized. We did track this all year. Um, of the 100, you can see that sentence right underneath. started tracking January 1st. Of the 100, there's an asterisk. Um, some, uh, some people would mark baptism multiple weeks. Um, typically uh, children or teenagers who their parents are maybe going slower than they want to go, which is, which is great. But they're every week, baptism, baptism, baptism. And so we would still track those. Um, of those 100 next steps requested, we had 48 gospel membership meetings. So typically when someone marks next step that's, um, hell, I want to know Jesus, hell, I want to be baptized, hell, I want to join the church, what happens is we have a gospel meeting with them. We sit down with them. Uh, Let them ask questions, explain the gospel clearly, explain what we believe as a church, and then see if they want to, what their next step is for them. And sometimes it's baptism, sometimes it's practicing membership, things like that. Uh, The reason there's an asterisk is it was 59 people total because we'll meet with couples sometimes. Uh, The highest new member Sunday uh, was four. We introduced four people on a Sunday. It was May the 28th. It was a four-way tie. May the 28th, June 18th, June 25th, and September 3rd. Um, so next year, we're going to try to get a five in there. Um, oh, interesting. Um, 20, of the 46 people who joined Great Commission, 26 were adopted and 23 were baptized. But you can see on our number, it says 20 because three baptisms, they were already members and realized, hey, I, I was uh, had, did not have a believer's baptism. I want to get baptized again. And so that was an anomaly for this year that was exciting as people walked through that. Uh, the next slide... Is guest interactions. This is something new that we started tracking since April, the end of April, beginning of May. Uh, we had 310 guest interaction. That means uh, 205 uh, first-time guests filled a card out. All right, that means we've had that we can track 205 people who have never been into our building, came into our building and said, "I want you to know I'm here." They'll fill out a card and give it to us. 205. Um, and then 105 gifts were taken. And I like this, uh, the connect group attendance, 362 in the connect group attendance. Um, the reason that that's important is what we try to do with our guests is to point them to the connect group so that they can get uh, acclimated with our church, they can build relationships. A lot of times folks who have seven relationships in a church, they go from that church to my church. So we try to go move that along quickly through the connect group. On average, we had eight guest interactions with us every Sunday. Um, the high guest interaction Sunday was July 2nd with 20 interactions. For, I have no idea what happened on July 2nd, and I could not figure it out. But folks just decided, hey, I'm going to fill the card out. We just had a bunch of Maybe we were giving away iPads or something that day. I don't know what happened. Uh, but we typically average 12 guests um, in our connect group, and that does include uh, the leaders of that group. So big shout out to uh, Alan and Corey. You guys are doing great in there. Love to see that. Uh, We we plan on 2024 really expanding that. It's a great ministry in our church. i go ahead and go to the next slide. Uh, Started tracking our cards being filled out May the 28th. Uh, We average 104 cards filled out every week. This is our welcome card. The high was 133 on, you guessed it, December the 10th, the Freedom Weekend Conference. Um, I thought that was cool. Total, we had 3,313 cards that were filled out. This is digital cards also. Group attendance, our average group attendance was 107. Our high was 145 on September 24th. Um, TKO, teenagers, 1,737 uh, times there was a teenager on our campus on Sunday night. We had a, a 1,737 uh, little gospel nuggets that went out. 92 teenagers average Sunday nights. Um, the high was 162 on December 10th. Go figure. I think the Lord decided to show up, and uh, He just kind of made all our numbers peak on that weekend. Uh, oh, can you guys read that? Is that okay? You can't. Great. I'm not going to read everything, but this is this is our small group attendance, and these are the folks who attended small group the most. Okay, right? <laughs> So the Beal group, uh, Mary Lynn Brooks, are you, you're here, I saw you earlier, where are you? Where's Mary Lynn? Is she not here today? Oh, she attended more than the leaders. <laughs> Mark, how'd you do that? That's incredible. Uh, and then you have, of course, uh, Mark and Susie who are the leaders, they, they were high, and then Kim Sellers was also on that list as part of the core group, just attending every single week, every single week. The Fulgrits group, you have James and Amy with high attendance, and then uh, Mallory Campbell and Alex Arnold, good job. Uh, The Hershbergs, Randy and Sheila with the highest attendance with uh, Terry Jones and uh, the Earlies, Chris and Candace right after them with 26 on their attendance. Uh, I don't know if this gets you to heaven quicker, but I'm sure it gets you something cool. (laughs) Uh, Jared Davis group, Jared and Meg, of course, is the leaders. And then Brooke Churchill coming in uh, there also. Huh? Oh, yeah. You can't beat it. Uh, I did put the connect group in here. Um, although, you know, Alan, and Cor- that that group uh, turns over a bunch. It's constantly new people. And it is, it is, they're constantly trying to build relationships. And it is a, um, um, I don't even know how to explain it. it it's, it's grueling. Pray for the Sims. Pray for the connect group. Uh, it is it is a big deal in our church, and I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, but 36 uh, in your attendance, 36 times. Good job. Um, no breaks. He's a machine. Uh, the Burgans group, you had, of course, Leah and Garrison, and then uh, Ben. and Good job. And Paul. You're here, aren't you, Paul? There you are. Look at that. Young men of the Lord going to small group, representing. Good job. Love it. Uh, the Rucker group. Barney, you're top of the list of the Rucker group. I mean, you live right next door to them, so you don't have an excuse. <laughs> Randy hollers out the door, Barney, you coming? Oh, yep, I don't care there. Uh, the, the Leaks partnered with the Joneses, and they, they were solid there. Jennifer, you actually attended more than anyone in your group. Good job. I don't know how that... you had yeah, staff, that's... Yeah, well... Let's see. Sabatini's had some stack. Billy Egner, uh, the Mays, Christy and Jason. You guys were on the top list. Always attended small group. Well done, uh, McKelvins. You got Stephanie and then Alan Sims. You're top of that group too. What are you doing? We need to find you a hobby, man. <laughs> your your hobby's Jesus. The, the McKelvins, Corey, you were in there too. I guess I guess he dragged you, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, let's see, McKenzie's group, group uh, Don and Phyllis, and then the Langley's were always there, Meredith, you were always there, uh, the Quinochets, this is one of our newest group, it meets on Sunday. Uh, you have Suzanne and Alan Burley, you were always there with them, the Uh Schwegel group, um, Taylor Moody, you were there just as much as me, and of course, Brittany, uh, you were there as well as Jessica, so good job, everyone. Don't miss, if you, don't, if you want your name read next year, don't miss. Hey, really, look, it is, small group so important to our church, It—it it is a core, and I know the weeks turn into months and it's quick, but, man, it makes small group uh, an important. We're starting next week, by the way, um, so we're excited about that. What's the next slide? We'll go through these pretty quick. Oh, attendance total, look at that number. That is the, you know, just unique, here's how many people showed up into our building since January 1st, 21,632 Times the gospel has been heard. I mean, you're kind of envisioning this. I like the big numbers like that. Um, and that represents 16,000 in the court. And then 5,000 of those are in the kids in the back. 5,000 times kids have heard the gospel. Um, we averaged 408 people on Sunday with 102 kids in classes. That's up 30 people on average from 2022. Steady growth. The highs were 562 on April 9th. Guess what day that was? The Easter. 487 on February 26th. Guess what day that was? Oh, was it Bowl awards? I was like, I have no idea. All right. 480 on December 10th. Guess what day that was? Freedom Conference. Yeah, everyone wanted to come to church after Freedom Conference. All right, next. Here's by the numbers. We've got two more slides, and I'll get out of your way. This is Sunday morning attendance. Cross Barker. He's not here, is he? That dude attended 50 times. Let's go Cross. (laughs) Here's all my 50s. Michael Caffey, the Campbells. Man, you guys attended 50 times this year. You only missed twice. And look, if you don't fill a card, we don't know. The kids kids get checked in, so they automatically get filled in. So if you didn't fill out a card, we actually, you know, if you're thinking, I was here, you know, 52 and something, you should have filled out a card. Uh, All the Campbells. Uh, Billy and Isaiah. Um, I have William. William came more than you guys. (laughs) The nice one is Blair and Therese. Uh, Randy, Theresa, me of course, Everly, and Brian Wilson. And I'll tell you, Brian may have perfect attendance because he's up there in the security all the time. And I don't know if you get counted all the time. We'll have to check that. Turn over last slide. This is the almost perfect attendance. We didn't have anyone that made perfect attendance this year. But we had, uh, look at that, the can camp, the camp they, they came more than you guys. You just drop them off and leave. I don't blame you. JC, you need to take a vacation, man. Take a vacation. Oh, you missed the wedding. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then Beckett, Finley, Lincoln, my boys, because those knuckleheads are coming if I'm coming. And then Brooklyn. Brooklyn was here 51 times. Good job. So I'll tell you, the kids, it's not fair for the kids, because we have to, you know, they get checked in and checked out, so they get counted, but uh, rather than that, it's, you know, fill the cards out, let us know you're here, uh, because Sheila will appreciate it in three, so they try to do it from memory, and sometimes it is really hard, but, um, so without further ado, Dawn is going to tell us what we're doing next.
1: well good evening to everyone there is a book that's either uh, in your hand or if you need one uh, there should be some on the table back there there's still some on the table back there Uh, everybody ought to have one and we have more if there's I think there's enough back there so I just want to briefly go through this so you'll understand what we'll be doing for the next month So this is something that you can use as a devotional every day, and it's also something that we'll use for the next five small group weeks. So look at the front cover and quietly in your mind decide what that's a picture of. Okay. And then once you do that, then open up to page one. 29 Days of Promise Introduction. Says, have you figured out the cover of this booklet? What what does it picture? And I'm just gonna kind of kind of read through this and then I'm gonna explain how this will work throughout the next 29 days of promise. One of the great miracles of God is when he delivered the children of Israel through the parting of the Red Sea. The Egyptian army was bearing down on the helpless Israelites. Their backs were to the sea, and there seemed to be no hope. Then the Lord's servant Moses, only two people in the Bible in the Old Testament are called the Lord's Servant. Obviously, one of them is Moses. Anybody want to guess who the other one is? Joshua. You're right, Bill. Oh, you didn't say Joshua. Okay, well, it's Joshua is the only other person. Then the Lord's Servant, Moses, shared God's message with the people. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. What an amazing promises to scared and hopeless people. Uh, the Lord then parted the Red Sea. They walked across on dry ground. The Egyptians followed through the sea, but the Lord closed the sea, and they were all destroyed. In this instance, the Lord gave some great promises to his people and then immediately fulfilled them. Sometimes we click quickly see the fulfillment of a promise, and then sometimes it takes a while, right? Well, the real question is whether God keeps his promises. He's made so many. The second question is whether we will trust him to keep his promises. So who's the weak link in all of this? Well, rest assured, God keeps his promises. We are the weak link. And wouldn't you agree we all need more faith? Is that a question? Oh, there should have been a question mark at the end of that. All right. We must learn about God's promises. We need his help to trust and enjoy his promises. And then when we do, we will experience comfort and strength from God's promises. So for the next 29 days, we want to immerse ourselves in some of the promises our Lord has given to us, and that is where the journey starts. We should then ask him to give us more confidence in his faithfulness to keep his promises. So what's the schedule? Well, it starts this Sunday, January the 7th, and it's going to run to February the 4th. That's 29 days. So in this booklet, there are 29 promises, one for each day. And during this time, there are five Sundays. On those Sundays, the sermon will highlight the promise that's on that particular day in the booklet. And then that promise that Trevor will have preached on will become the topic of discussion in our small groups for that week. So this booklet can become a daily devotional for these 29 days. And you'll see there's a space for you to answer a few questions and interact with The promise of that particular day. And it is a joy to read and ponder on the precious promises of our Lord. Alright, here's a suggested way to read and meditate on these verses. And you'll see, if you haven't already looked through this, how this is laid out. But you can ask yourself three questions. Based on this promise, what can I learn about God? Two, what does the Lord want me to do? Three, do I have any questions about this promise. Here's an example. This promise is not in the booklet, but it could certainly be. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. What can I learn about God? Well, I can see that God loves the world, which means he loves me. Uh, I can see God's love for me by the gift of his son. I can see that God wants me to believe in his son. That might fall under the, what does he want me to do category. Believing in Jesus will rescue me from perishing and will instead allow me to experience eternal life. So that would be an example of just some stuff you could write in. The blanks are going to be provided each day for this. Number two, what does the Lord want me to do? He wants me to appreciate the wonder of his gift. He wants me to know that he loves me. He wants me to see his desire to rescue me. He wants me to believe in Jesus. Do I have any questions about it? Why is Jesus called his only son? Does this mean Jesus is younger than the father? Does perish mean go out of existence? Is everlasting life the same as eternal life? And the answer to that is, I preached on this. It is the same. They are identical. Turn the page, just so that you'll see on day one Sunday, it's Ezekiel 36, 26, um, You know, recommend, get your Bible out, read it, and it says write this verse out. And so it's a good exercise to write it out. That's the space that's left there. The verse has a little end note designation right after the 26, so the verse is quoted for you in the back. But take your Bible and go through the exercise of writing it out, and then there are the three questions where you could write down some thoughts. What can I learn about God? What does the Lord want me to do? Do I have any questions about it? And so like I said, that can become a daily exercise for you. So the first one happens this Sunday, and so Trevor will be preaching on this verse and the passage, and then we'll have small group discussion the following week, uh, and we'll use the sermon, and so there are some questions there that just will help us discuss and interact with that. And then if you go to day two and day three, you'll see that it's the same. The only thing that's different is the particular promise that's at the top. Okay? Now, everybody see that? Anybody have like a burning question about it? Okay, this is the fun part. Are you all ready? There are possibly four people in this room. Okay, you don't put a period there because there are obviously four people in this room. There are four people in this room that when they go to page 44 in the book, there's going to be something different in their book. If you have a gold star on page 44, let us know. Yell out, who has it? Relinda? Who we have back here? Do you really... All right, so there should only be four. Did I see five or six hands? Okay, there are four gold stars, and what do you get as a result of being a gold star person? You get free food. So next first Wednesday, which is February the 7th, after you have gorged on the Word of God all month, you get a free family meal at our first Wednesday dinner, so let's give them a begrudging round of applause. Everybody likes to to win something so you four people can be happy tonight. And with that, Trevor, I turn it over to you. Well done guys,
2: well done. What I love about the four gold star people is if you weren't planning on coming the first Wednesday, now there's some peer pressure on you, right? (laughs) Next week, next month, it's like, oh, I got to be there now. (laughs) If this is your first or second first Wednesday, one of the things I want you to know about these meetings is uh, they're never the same back to back. So this format that we're doing tonight is kind of the New Year's resolution, vision casting, what's going to happen in 2024. The first Wednesday in February won't look like this, feel like this. We'll do something totally different. We keep you guessing, and and I I don't know about you, but I love these meetings. I I love that body life that we get to do, that kind of medium-sized group that we have, and and so I'm glad that you came tonight. Um, I'm going to ask this question, what can we expect out of church in 2024? And really, uh, what can we expect out of church in 2024 in the first six or seven months, the first half of the year? And I'm going to give you three answers to that question, as I tell you some things that are going to happen. Um, and I'm going to take a couple of risks and and meddle with you a little bit, and hopefully make people uncomfortable just for a few minutes, and then then give you a relief valve, do some house cleaning, and some some uh, things that you say at, at, when you're at the house to your family, but you don't say on Sunday mornings, right? So this is like, hey, this is the team, this is the army of the Lord, and then on Sunday morning, it's game day, now I'm mixing metaphors with sports and, and, and military, but, but so Sunday's game day, and, and Sunday doesn't happen, and those numbers that you saw, we don't get to celebrate those uh, without the commitment of all the people in this room, plus about 20% more who are working tonight or sick or, or whatever, but they're with us too, so this is going to be fun, and uh, What can I expect out of church 2024, the first half? Number one, I can expect to learn truth. Uh, We're going to teach you the Bible in the first seven months of this year. And the last five months, we're going to teach you the Bible, yes? Uh, Let me just say that you can get a TED Talk on the internet. You can get life coaching in other places. You can get people exegeting movies and cartoons and secular songs. You can get that anywhere else. Uh, but at church, there's kinda, that's kind of the only place you can get the preaching of the word, the assembly of the saints, and here's what we've learned in the last few years. We've learned that people that don't know the Lord, unchurched people, when they finally break out of their normal routines and come here, they're expecting to receive something here that they can't get anywhere else. They're expecting to receive God's word. They want to they hear it. To see if they if it's worth believing, what they don't want is to come to church and have the church try to pretend to do what their office uh, can do, or what their place of employment, or what their school does. Only, only like lesser, you know, only like in the, in, in a church kind of cringe way. Does that make sense? So, what can I expect out of church this year? I'm going to teach you the Bible, and so is the rest of our teaching team. And let me tell you what I'm going to preach about. Uh, we're gonna, you, you have it in your hands, 29 days of promise. I'm gonna teach on the promises of God in the first five Sundays of the year, just so that we can remember how good God is to us and remembering that God has never made a promise that he, that he has failed to keep, yes? So we're gonna think higher thoughts of God at the end of these five weeks because he's promised us these things and now we know about them. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach on the promises of God. And I'm gonna follow that up with teaching on the Lord's Supper. I hope that when you tell your friends about your church, that you say, man, in our church, we seem to talk about the Lord's Supper more than any church I've ever been in. And that's important because my favorite professor, the greatest Bible scholar I've ever known, Jim Allman, just just published his 40-year study on the Lord's Supper in book form. And I can't put it down, it's unbelievable. I've already given you a taste of it last Sunday, and I'm going to do three more on that in February because... Uh, I want you, when we have the Lord's Supper, I want you to look forward to it. I want you to, to go, man, this is when I get to go with my faith family and we get to remind ourselves of what Jesus did for us, what covenant we have with God by his blood, and all of these good things about his grace. You see, the churches I grew up in, they made me dread the Lord's Supper because the idea was, hey, this is the time you've got to confess all your sins. The Lord's Supper is a time that you come to church to feel bad. And in the Bible, it doesn't teach that anywhere. And I'll, just, I'll show you that in February. I'm excited about that because there are two ordinances the Lord Jesus instituted for the church. They are baptism and the Lord's Supper. I'm going to teach about both of those in the first half of the year. So, promises of God, Lord's Supper. What is my third one? Oh, yeah. I'm going to do a series of just great Bible stories on one Old Testament prophet, Elijah, there's going to be four weeks of that and, and some of you are going to miss two of those because it's spring, it covers spring break and you know how that goes. So Let me tell you about that. Those Bible stories are so powerful and so interesting that when you travel on spring break, did you know that we have a website yes. and a church app? And so did, you never need to miss a sermon. You can watch it on your own time. Uh, you just don't want to get behind of hearing the truth that the rest of the church is hearing. So, and when we get to that Elijah series, my guess is that if you have to miss during that time, and it's fine if you do, that you'll go back and you'll listen to that. So, promises of God, the Lord's Supper, the prophet Elijah, and then we're gonna, does that get me where, to the big one? Yeah, that gets me to the big one. Now, listen to me very carefully. The Bible says in John chapter 16, verse eight, the Lord Jesus says that when the Holy Spirit comes, when I send the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Did you, know that, did you know that the Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts non-Christians of sin and nowhere in the Bible does it say that the Holy Spirit convicts Christians of sin? I know you've been taught 1 John 1, nine. I get all that, but I'm telling you, the only place in the Bible that God specifically says he convicts of sin, is the world. And the world is a concept in all five of John's books. The Gospel of John, the three letters, first, second, third John, and the fifth of John's book is what? Revelation. And every time you see the world in those five books, it's always talking about the unbelieving. And if the Spirit's job is to convict the unbelieving of sin, then doesn't it follow that churches should preach the Bible and not shy away from preaching about sin? Am I right? Where else will the world hear it? So we don't shy away from preaching about sin. But (laughs) starting on Easter Sunday, um, which is March the 31st, Easter's early this year. Starting on Easter Sunday for eight Sundays in a row, we're doing a sermon series targeting our one. Now, our one, we've named her Olivia Branch. It's clever, isn't it? All right, cool. Yeah, JC's clapping because we thought JC in staff meeting when we were naming the lady that's our one target, we thought he was just being clever, Olive Branch, Olivia Branch, and then we're like, wait a minute, his wife's name's Olivia. And so, so it's also an homage to JC's wife, who we love probably more than we love him. Amen. Right? And so, so we're targeting Olivia Branch starting on Easter Sunday, going through May the 19th. And so, it, it even it Mother's Day falls into this series. And I'm going to preach one of the Beatitudes of Jesus in the Lord in the Sermon on the Mount for eight Sundays in a row. But we're not going to call them that. We're going to we're going to do it from. A a perspective of how do unchurched people think. But I'm going to teach the Bible when they get here. Listen, in the first seven months of the year, the biggest thing we're going to do is that eight weeks from Easter Sunday to May the 19th. Now, here's what I think. I think that because Jesus rose from the dead, proving that he's God and bringing the kingdom of God on earth, and I think that Because Jesus died for sinners to purchase our salvation and because Jesus calls the church his bride, I think that church should be the thing that Christians go to and miss other things for. You notice that didn't get a cheer? Because we're growing and we're maturing. I'm going to say it again, see how it goes a second time. I think because of all the things that Jesus did, because Jesus is the point of the whole Bible, and because the life we live now is the short period that you'll exist, and because the next world is the forever you're going to live in, and because Jesus loves his bride, I think the church should be the thing that you miss other activities for. So there's a test. And the test is March 31st through May 19th. For some of you, this has never happened before in the history of your Christian faith. I'm asking you to come to church eight Sundays in a row with no excuses. So that when Olivia Branch and her husband and their family come, they see a full house every time. When Olivia Branch and her family come, we have people that fill filling every role we need to fill. They're worshipers here. And because Christians ought to go to church eight Sundays in a row every now and then. Amen? Now, look, some of you are going to go, can't do it. But I look at that now, and I can be here six. Okay, well, can you make six seven? Can, can you... Can you stretch and inconvenience yourself and overcome your flesh because your pastor's asking you to do it? Because I'm only asking you to do it for your benefit and for the salvation of those outside. Because the most selfless thing any church can ever do is grow. Everybody wants to grow until it makes you have to move and do something inconvenient, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so I want to say that, that series, when we get to Easter Sunday, I'm, I'm asking you to start praying. God, would you make it the greatest eight weeks in a row our church has ever had, spiritually in power, look, less sickness so that folks don't have to stay home when they don't want to. Do you guys know my dad died last year? Look, I, I'm not saying that to tug on your emotions. Uh, the Lord has ministered to me, and I know where he is, and I'm going to go see him again right? But you realize that my dad, for two years, wanted to be here more than anything and physically couldn't be here? And he's not the only one many of. Just invalids, uh, what do we call those shut-ins, right? And and then then there's us, and we're like, man, the sun's out today. It's Sunday. They'll do church again next week. I'm going to the lake. I and mean, it's just... I want to be the church that says, church is so important, I'll miss the Sunday of the ball tournament. Hey, look, you never miss practice. Your kid went to volleyball practice and baseball practice eight times in a row, and you didn't never think that they would miss. But when they miss church, it's like, oh, that's okay. Hey, this is big time. So I'm challenging you because, look, we're doubling our kingdom impact in five years and we just finished year number one of that five years. Now, I didn't tell y'all that last year. That was just something in-house that the staff knew and were working on. But 2023 is my favorite year of ministry since I became a Christian in 1989. It was awesome. 2024 is gonna outdo it in, by, by, by the power of 10 because God is good and you guys are faithful. That's a great combination, yes? still love me? Have I told you I love you today? All right. So, going to preach on sin. Going to do that stuff. Beatitude series, March 31st through May 19th. Then after that, I'm going to preach two Sundays on baptism. Sunday number one, on believer's baptism. Make all, I'm going to make all of you doubt your salvation. We're going to baptize a bunch of people. You don't know if I'm joking, do you? Kind of, joking. But I'm going to talk about believer's baptism because what I've learned is through our membership interviews that Don and his team do, that people are confused about baptism. And some of them are imprisoned by their parents and their grandparents who told them, you were baptized as a baby, you're good. Right? And that that almost inoculated them against the gospel. And so... uh, I haven't done a sermon on baptism, believers' baptism, so we'll do that. The next week, I'm going to preach on the one that you're going to be talking about. I'm going to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we, we did that a little bit at the Freedom Conference. Was that good? Wasn't it helpful? Okay, we're just going to go public with all that. It's going to be good. And then that's going to lead us right into our summer series. We're doing 29 Days of Promise here, right? You know when we do these church campaigns and you get a notebook and we all do the same thing for a month. And we have great success with that. Great fruit from that. Well, my favorite one, I like this one. I love the one we're going to do this summer. 42 days of healing. And so I'm going to preach on Jesus's healing ministry this summer. And we're going to pray for people to be healed. We're going to bring sick people to church and and we're going to pray for them. I mean, what can it hurt, right? And, and Jesus is going to either heal some, he's going to encourage everybody, and we're going, to, we're going to begin to believe that Jesus still does exactly what he says he still does. And so 42 days of healing this summer, going to be awesome. All right, so what can I expect out of church in 2024? I can expect to learn truth. We're going to teach you the Bible. We're going to preach about sin, and God's going to do great stuff. What's the second answer to that question? Well, I can expect to minister to others and be ministered to myself. Small group ministry, we've already talked about. You need a small group. If you're not a member of our church, you can't be in one of our small groups right now. You can be in our connect group. We do that because the gospel is one of these dividing line things that you either have it or you don't. You either are embracing the good stuff or you're missing out. And so if you're missing out on our small group ministry, if you're not a member of our church yet, and that is designed to get you to start our membership process, because that's going to get you face to face with the gospel, and it's, it, it is how we adopt you into our church, and then we bring you into our small groups, because small groups are for our family. And our small group ministry is strong. You saw that. Some of you are going, next week, next year, I'm going I'm to be in that 50, 51, 52. Now, the, here's the funny thing there's a guy in my neighborhood, his name's Phil, he's my new friend. And I met Phil this summer, walking through my neighborhood, and, and I invited Phil to church one day, and Phil came to church. And Phil comes to church regularly now, great guy. And here, the problem was, when Phil started coming, it was like two or three weeks before my annual break that I take, when I'm off four or five Sundays in a row. And so Phil started coming, and the pastor that walks in the neighborhood that invited him, he looked up one day, and I wasn't coming to church anymore. And, and nobody told him. And so he didn't know, well, did I die? He, didn't, he had no idea. And so I saw Phil like halfway through my break, I'm walking in the neighborhood, and he comes up the driveway, and I'm like, hey, man, how are you doing? He goes, well, you know, I go to your church more than you go to your church. <laughs> I promise you he said that to me. It was so great. I, I, said, I said, you know what? You got me. I, I'll explain this to you later. Small groups one of our covenant promises we made to each other, to ourselves and to each other and to the Lord. Let me tell you about student ministry. You heard, you saw the numbers, JC and his team doing a great job. If you came up here on, on, up here on a Sunday night when they're having one of their bigger nights and you looked in this room out in that lobby and out in that parking lot, you'd swear there's 500 people here because the teenagers don't come and just sit in chairs elbow to elbow. They need space. And so it's just like this ocean of people. You know what I see? I see an ocean of young adults who need Jesus and the overwhelming number of them not saved yet. But by the grace of God, like this Holy Spirit magnet, he keeps just drawing them in here. And they, look, a lot of them, different cultures, uh, different, different socioeconomic groups, They don't have parents like your kids have parents. They got no reason to come here except for some reason Jesus is drawing them. And you know, the Bible says no one, Jesus says no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And so we're in the middle of the father drawing students to our church and it's a test. And I wanna pass this test. Now let me change that. I want to ace this test. And so to do that, we need more adults to come help. And you're thinking, well, man, I don't think I'm capable or qualified to lead a a, a student small group. Okay, that's fine. Let me tell you what I know you're capable and qualified of. You're capable and qualified of standing there and looking like a stern adult (laughs) in different parts of the building, right? Because the Bible says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child and discipline draws it out. And so we actually need folks that just will come and look like you're in charge. You don't know have to say a word because we need supervision. I, I actually had to get the police department to send us some officers here a couple of weeks ago just to be here, to send the message that, hey, I know this is fun, but there, it's a 15,000 square foot building. It's a seven acre uh, piece of property and, and it gets dark early. Have you met teenagers? That's like the perfect, um, you know, everything you want happening at once to go have fun with your friends. Go out, spread out, it's dark. I mean, you get the idea, right? So I actually had, am having this conversation with the major over patrol with the Olive Branch Police Department. I'm a chaplain, so I got connections. And the, the, the conversation I'm having with him is, what's the going hourly rate to pay cops to do off-duty security. I want you to hear, hear what I'm saying to you. Our student ministry has grown so big, we need more adults and police presence. That's how many kids are here. That is awesome. Look, I remember when we looked around and there's like 12 teenagers and we're like, is this even gonna make it? And it's grown by the power of 10. And they're all unchurched. And they're all by showing up saying, Tell me about Jesus so I can see if, if he's worth receiving or not. Now look, this will take care of itself. If we do nothing, those numbers, are, something will happen. Kids won't come back. And it, it, it'll go back down to manageable, you know, dead ministry, if, if that's what we want. Is that what you want? No. Oh no. Next generations now. I want to baptize 50 teenagers this year. Some of them, Already bringing their parents. And we got some in the pipeline who brought their parents, and now their parents and them, they're practicing members. And their first thing that they ever did at our church was Sunday night at youth, not Sunday morning with us. How incredible is that? Amen. So look, you need, I don't think my mom's here tonight. My mom is awesome. Amen? Amen. You don't have to know her, it's your pastor's, it's your pastor's mom. Look, you know, you know what they call my mom in, in, in town? They call her Coach Davis. Because she was a basketball coach, track coach, cheerleading coach, all of Branch Middle School, 29 years. Taught every kid PE and health and other. She was a teacher, very influential teacher. She's Coach Davis, athletic. My mom's tomboy, always has been. And, and the, look, my mom's weird. She likes middle school girls. She, 29 years, hung out with them and she told me the other day, you know what? I think I still like middle school girls. I want to minister to them. Do you like middle school girls that much? Look, middle school girls are pretty and they're mean. You think I'm joking? There is no drama like seventh and eighth and ninth grade girl drama. My mom, 75 years old, do not tell her I said that. But for... But you need to. You know what she said to me the other day after the freedom conference. Remember that December 10th thing? She was here. She said, "But here's what the Lord said to me: that I he, now that my husband's gone, I'm not just going to live out my days doing anything. I'm going to serve God." That's what she said to me. She said, "So I'm going to find my ministry here in the church." And I said, "Find it, it's sitting right there for you." She said, "What is it?" I said, "We don't have enough adults to take care of our students." She she goes, she did that look. <laughs> The next day she said, I think the Lord might want me to lead a middle school girl small group. She said, do you think they listen to me? We need some more of my moms. And they're all sitting out here. That wasn't even in my notes. But man, that hit. That was good. Children's ministry. Got the best children's ministry leader anybody's ever seen. I've had two mega church pastors come through here, see Jennifer Jones, and go and say, say to me, I'm gonna steal her from you. And I say to them, and you're gonna lose your salvation if you do. <laughs> because at big churches they don't have a gym. All right, so a children's ministry is great, but it's not like the youth ministry, because the youth ministry is blowing up, but the children's ministry is shrinking. And one of the reasons it's shrinking is we're doing it to ourselves because our church is having a baby. We're starting a new church, a new congregation in in Bahalia. And the people that are going to start the new church are taking 10 to 15% of our children with them, which is great. We just made room in our very full children's area. So in 2024, we're we're going to grow the children's ministry again. And here's what Jen said. Jen said, in my marriage, my husband's the fun one, and I'm the organized one that keeps everything going. Is your marriage like that, right? There's always, there's, there's, the, there's the carefree life of the party, and then, but that person can't sustain like the household. You need the other person that, that takes care of all the details. Well, Jen's a detail. She, she says, so I'm not fun. I need you to ask the church to pray about if they're fun people to come help us and the children make it more fun. Isn't that what you told me? I said it word for word, didn't I? Today, this afternoon. And so if you think you're fun, or if you think your spouse is fun You have now heard the voice of the Lord And you now know the will of God for you Help us with our children on Sundays um, Come see Jen Alright Prayer ministry team We're talking about ministering to others And to be ministered to myself We started that this year It's powerful, yes You know who's being impacted the most in our church right now? The people that are on the prayer ministry team because they're praying for others and, and God is reaching out of heaven with power and impacting people that they're praying for and they're going, Whoa! I didn't know the Lord would do that just through my simple obedience. Let I me mean, you think our prayer team lines up here every day and they and that they on Sundays and they're like the boldest people in the church. I'm gonna tell you they're really not. They're just the ones who said, Pastor, you think the Lord will use me? Yes, I do. Well, they come with fear and trembling, going, All right, I don't know how good of a prayer I am, but I'm I'm going to give it a shot. That's all God wants you to do. And He'll do the rest. So, if you're not on the prayer team, here's your assignment. And I mean this when I say every single Sunday think of something, make something up, just walk down here after the service and let them pray for you. They need the practice and you need the intercession. It's a win win. When you leave without getting prayer on Sundays, some people start losing. You do, they do. We need long prayer lines every week. You should just come to get prayer because your pastor asked you to do it. I promise you, if you'll do that, it'll help our church grow. And then some of you are gonna say, I wanna be on the prayer team, and we're going, hey, we got plenty of open spots. So we pray for each other, and we receive prayer That's what we we implemented in 2023. It's just what we do. All right. Now, I can expect 1 Corinthians 14 ministry this year. 1 Corinthians 14.1. I don't know if it'll be on the screen. I've got it in my Bible, though. So if the screens ever go out, I've got God's word. Amen? You need to get you one of these. Here's what 1 Corinthians 14.1 says. Pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So you have, you have 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians 14. And the apostle Paul is telling the church, you need to pursue the prophetic gifting that God has given your church so that people learn to hear my voice, the Lord says, and you can encourage, comfort, and console the, the body, 1 Corinthians 14. 3. This is all new. This is new for most of us. It's going to be weird for you at the beginning. Until God speaks to somebody's heart about you that encourages you and helps you get out of some kind of prison you've been in that you didn't know you were in. And you'll go, My goodness, God's reading my mail. And He's doing it through the body of Christ. And He's telling me that He loves me. You see, what prophetic ministry does in the church, it brings God out of heaven and puts Him right in the seat next to you. So. We're ripping the Band-Aid off in 2024, and we're just going to do it. And I'm going to tell you how in just a second. Also, in 2024, I can expect to minister to others and be ministered to myself through steady progress and generosity, through the giving ladder, and through Financial Peace University. If you're in this room and you've never taken the Financial Peace University course, the will of God for you is to stop what you're doing and take that class that starts, in, when does it start, Rolinda? Wednesday? Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday January 10th? Yep. Next week. Okay, next week. Next week. I, I'm, let me tell you what I've been telling people about Financial Peace University. About eight or nine years ago, we took our whole church through it at one time, and we became like a, like a spokesperson church for Dave Ramsey and the gang. And they started sending me around the area to, to teach about this and to tell, tell folks how good it is to do, have your whole church go through it. And when we did that, our church, in just like a few weeks, our entire church retired over a million dollars in debt collectively, just like that. If you take Financial Peace University with your spouse and you follow the steps faithfully, within about two or three weeks, you're going to say, my goodness, I just gave myself a raise. And, it, and then, because look, here's what I know. People lose sleep at night when they're in debt and they, when they put their head on their pillow and they realize money is working against me as I sleep. And when Christians, and I've never met a Christian that didn't wish they could give God more than they do. When Christians get out of debt, and when they lay their head on the pillow and their money works for them when they sleep, it changes everything. Men, it'll be the best gift you ever gave your wife in your marriage. Take Financial Peace University. Even if you weren't planning on it, Find the $100, because if you don't have skin in the game, you won't finish it. Pay the $100, get the kit, go to the... What is it now? 100 what? The first 10 people get it for $60. First 10, look at that. I just gave you a raise, $40 just right then. The first 10, get it for 60 right? So fill that class up. I promise you, it changes everything. So we're going to grow that way. Now finally today, what can I expect out of 2024 at church? I can expect to see my church grow. We're gonna grow this year. Man, you know, some, you know what some people tell me? I, I love coming to this church because you guys don't beg for money all the time and you don't talk about growth, 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 growth. Well, part of that was me being unbalanced. Now, I'm not gonna bug you for money. We're not, we don't have to do that. The Lord's blessed us with that. Uh, but every time you snap your finger, another soul falls into a devil's hell. And so we have the gospel, it's the hope of the world, and so we want our church to grow because it means people are coming to Christ and believing in him the way you did. So we're gonna grow. Now, (laughs) to grow, I need you to help me with something. Can I step on your toes a little bit? Are you sure? Gonna be cringy for a minute. (laughs) All right. We gotta cut down on our distractions in our church service. I'm gonna illustrate it this way. There's an app you can put on your phone. It's called, oh Jesus, forgive me. It's called Run P the Run P app. When the kids are laughing, you know everybody's listening. You know what the Run P app is? It's brilliant. You ever been to the movies? You ever been to the movies? It's a movie you're waiting on, and you finally get there, but you were dumb, and you went to the concession stand, and you got one of those cokes that's this big, and you got, all, you got the big tub of, of popcorn. And like before, when all the previews are going, you were just chowing down. And then the movie starts, and you're like 10 minutes in, and you're like, I need to go to the potty. Remember that, you know this? But I don't want to miss an important part of the movie. There's an app you can put on your phone, and it will tell you, at this part of the movie... You got a minute and 38 seconds where nothing important happens and you can go to the restroom and you can get back and you're good. I'm not making that up. And and like if you get a long movie, there's like four places in the movie and it tells you exactly when to go. All right? At our church, it's just the opposite. At our church, our students and teenagers and eight-year-olds... In the middle of my sermon, now look, you never throw me off because I'm not not—I'm looking at you, but I ain't really looking at you, I'm looking at God. But we'll have a 13-year-old and he'll, he'll sit on the second row and it'll be like point number one of the sermon, three minutes in, and he'll stand up and he'll stretch in front of everybody and he will walk, he will stroll, he'll do the Fargo strut down the aisle. It'll take him 12 seconds to get to the back wall. It'll take him 13 more to get to the door. He'll just bust that door open like he's the Fonz. Remember that from from Happy Days? He's walking. He goes by the map. He makes sure Hawaii's still there. He goes to the potty. He ain't even using the restroom. He just won't see if anybody's in there because he's just taking a break. He'll be in there about five minutes. He'll walk even slower back through the lobby. Here's how I know this. Last week in second service, since I wasn't preaching, I just sat in the lobby and watched you people. And he'll walk in there, and the usher will try to open the door for him, but he'll let the, he, he wants to open the door himself because he can do it louder. And he's walking back, and he's high-fiving people on third and fourth row. He gets to his seat. His parents are sitting right by him, never looked up, never noticed the big show he just put on. Here's the problem. The problem is, he walked by six visitors that were here for the first time. And those six visitors, we've been praying for them on the ministry cards for eight months. The families in our church, hey, pray for my friend. They don't know the Lord. They don't like church. One day, maybe God will get them here. And in the middle of the gospel moment, That behind the scenes we've been working on, spiritually laboring for, (laughs) because you don't discipline your kids in this area, the devil used your undisciplined kid and your lack of oversight to distract that unbeliever from the gospel, and you never noticed it. Can I ask you again? Wouldn't it be better if we cut down on distractions in the church service on Sunday? When I was four years old, my parents sang in the choir. Now, the sheet says I have 20 minutes. I'm way past 20 minutes. It's great being a church planter. When I was four years old, my parents sang in the choir, and and I had to go to big church. Y'all remember big church? I had to sit on the second row only because I couldn't sit on the front row because that's where the deacon sat. So I had to sit on the second row on the aisle. My mom's over there in the sopranos, my dad's in whatever he was in, tenors or whatever. The guys singing off key. And <laughs> so that they could see me. And I got to tell you, the way my preacher preached from the King James Bible when I'm 4 years old, the most boring time in my week was Sunday morning. And my parents didn't care that I was bored. They said, We're raising you in church. And you're not going to embarrass us. If you do, not only do you hate church, you're going to hate going home from church. I used to get whipped, spanked. I got whoopings in the name of Jesus after church because I squirmed, not because I talked. You can teach your kids to sit quietly for 35 minutes. Look, we get and walk around, do the Lord's supper, we sing and clap and the problem is you're quiet when we're loud and you're loud when we're quiet. Does that make sense? Look, if you're talking to your neighbor adult or your spouse during my sermon, people around you can't hear the truth of the gospel. Even if you're interacting with the cool things I'm saying, it doesn't matter why, it matters that you're doing that. And so when when you talk during my sermon, you make it hard on all my leaders because they come to me and go, Pastor, this whole section, it happened Sunday, this whole section back here, distracted because folks talking in the back, people talking too loud in the... Pastor, what are you going to do about it? That's what they come and tell me. What are you going to do about it? I go, what do you mean, what am I going to do about it? I'm last in line. I'm the sledgehammer. I'm the crocodile guarding the river. When you get to me, there's nobody behind me. I don't go first. I go when the first two or three times don't work. Does that make sense? You shouldn't be making us have to decide whether we have to go correct you and say, did you know that you... Could you just kind of keep it down? Isn't that awkward? I told you it's cringy. But I didn't do this. And neither did our leaders. I know we serve coffee. But you also know what a restroom is. So drink coffee, go to the restroom and come here, or smell the coffee and don't drink it. Amen, right? It's like like you don't have to make church a thing that you got to get up and go leave the only people that, are, that should do that is if it's a medical emergency. And let me just say to you, if you have medical issues, don't sit on the front row. That's why, and look, if you're healthy, stop sitting on the back row. We have people that have physical issues that need your chair. And this poor front row in this section every week, just as empty as it can be. And a church that's on fire fills up from the front to the back. And while I'm on it, Uh, Listen to me, Russian, because you're going to agree with me. The only people in this room that have authority from heaven to move our ropes is not you. Because we keep those open for guests that come late so that they don't have to embarrass themselves and walk down front. Does that make sense? I'm telling you this and going, we're getting ready to have the best ministry year ever. (laughs) And we're going to screw some of this up, but not all that much. But I just had to tell you, I'm telling you from the stage so that I don't have to come or anybody has to come talk to you privately and go, you know what? Can you just shut up during the sermon? Can you just stop going to the bathroom 14 times every Sunday? It's like you didn't know. And then you go, Pastor... Now you're making me feel uncomfortable because I can't con- I have medical issues. Yes, that's why you get to sit in the back so you can sneak in and sneak out. It's no big deal. But this whole parade of young people and kids, you you got to do it for us. you got to help us. Amen? Amen. Uh, uh, <laughs> I already raised my three, mostly, right, of my kids. <laughs> you know what my kids didn't do? They didn't get up and go back and forth and skip sermon stuff. Amen. 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 I'm not mad yet. (laughs) Uh, Let's control what we can control and not give the enemy an opportunity, right? There's no mess up that we can do that God can't fix and that we don't have grace for. You know that, right? I'm not the mean King James only preacher that's gonna yell at you guys or anything like that. I'm going, hey, first, first Wednesday of the year, we're talking about what's getting ready to happen. Here's some weaknesses that we can make strengths. We can do it. Um, J.C. shouldn't have to chase your seventh grader out every week to see if they're actually going to come back or to say, hey, could you just sit in the back row so 30 heads don't turn because you thought it was time to show everybody you get to leave service, amen? Is that, am, am I going too far? Okay, so these are easy buttons, right? Because we're going to grow. Now, lastly, here's our new monthly framework and schedule. When there are four Sundays in a month, the first Sunday of every month is Global Offering Sunday. That's coming up this Sunday, I believe it is. And so that's when we come forward and we ask God to bless all the money and all the time and and talent that we're going to give to the Lord that month. And we have elders pray for us and it's awesome. That's the only Sunday we won't be having Lord's Supper in this schedule. So global offering Sunday, first Sunday of the month. Sundays number two and three, I call regular Sundays. That's what you're normally used to. We'll have Lord, excuse me, we'll have Lord's Supper on those days. And then the fourth Sunday of the month, the new new, uh, wrinkle that I can't wait for is prophetic ministry Sunday. Let me tell you how we're going to do that. We're going to reverse everything, and you, it's going to just be a different day. When you come in on January 28th, on our first Globe, uh, uh, Prophetic Ministry Sunday, somebody's going to do a call to worship, maybe a couple of announcements, and then we're going to write to the sermon. And then after the sermon, we're going to sing praises for the truth that we just heard. And after we sing praises, we're going to come to the Lord's table for the, for the, uh, for the Lord's Supper. And then after the Lord's Supper, I'm going to explain what prophetic ministry is, and then our prophetic people are going to come up to the stage and read some of the words and some of the, some of the impressions that they've been getting this whole month because of their gift of prophecy. They're just going to read it to the church the way we did it at the, at the Freedom Conference. And then we're going to dismiss the service and we're going to be praying for people. And it's going to be lots of prayers. It's going to be powerful. And you're going to be looking forward to Prophetic Ministry Sunday. That's my prediction. Global Offering Sunday. Regular Sunday, regular Sunday, Prophetic Ministry Sunday. Every month. And on Sundays that have, on months that have five Sundays, something cool every time. Are you, are you excited about 2024? Yes. Yes. I feel like I can talk for 20 more minutes and make you less excited. So <laughs> I want to do that. And look, I'm not mad at anybody. And we're, we're, we're just tightening up, right? We're, we're just getting ready and saying, Lord, we want to grow. We want you to continue to entrust us with lost souls to be saved and for people to be discipled and baptized and awesome and for you to grow in your faith. Have I told you I love you guys? You still love me? Yes. Yes. Still going to be your pastor? Yes. Then we're good. Everybody stand up and we are dismissed.